Karlsson, Karlsson, hoj här kommer Karlsson Karlsson, Karlsson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Karlsson Karlsson, 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 Karlsson Yes, welcome everybody to a bonus episode of Keeping Karlsson Brian, I've decided this is not going to go and be, I, I don't know how we even decided what, I'm just jumping right in here, I haven't even introduced myself or you but normally, you know, Keeping Carlson, the last Beat Writer episode we dropped with Marat was number 407. But I've decided this is just bonus colon, cacuffle, uh, KKPP, and chat, takeaways chat. That's Welcome to this episode. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky. Uh, just got the, got the bug, right? Need to do some podcasting. And with me, as always, except not for the last two episodes, which is maybe also why I needed to uh, get on here to chat with my very good friend who I miss so much, Brian Com. Happy early birthday. Thanks, Elon. Uh, hi, everyone. And hello. Uh, that really throws me off. I actually prefer it not to be acknowledged. But thank you. Uh, sort of insincerely. But uh, thank you all for tuning in to another episode. It's great to see you. Elon, I love that your first episode of 32 Beats. First off, I love that the series is up and running already, even though the first round, we're like not even at the tail end of the first round. We're just like getting into the thick of it. But you're oh, yeah. not these episodes. These episodes are going to have like no downloads. Everyone's yeah. like, "Why do I care about the Columbus Blue Jackets?" It was a good episode. <laughs> Hopefully, people will think to go so back good. and listen to it later. Yeah. But uh, I understand why uh, our download numbers may be down. But hey, we got 32 teams to go, so we don't have time to wait. Yeah, and like Elon, you're also trying to ease everyone into the series because usually you podcast with Brian, and you brought a Brian on Brian Hedger to talk about Columbus. It was fantastic, and I love in the two interviews you've already done. You've already started booking them for next year at the end of the interview. So that's great. Uh, there's two down, 30 to go, and uh, a great series so far. If you haven't been listening, you probably, you, I would assume you are if you're listening to this, but we're going to share our takeaways on this episode as well as a couple early, early thoughts on the NHL playoffs so far and a big cupful announcement about the Keeping <laughs> Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. I mean, I feel like you, you teased that in our Discord. So we're going to have a big couple announcement. And I feel like you kind of oversold it. Like, it's not as big. of Like, I would have thought that pe- like people were trying to pr- predict if, like, we're changing some rule. or we're doing- So why don't we just, like, s- get it out there to start. The big couple announcement. Drum roll, please. By the way, the couple is the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League, a league that we've ran for seven years now. Uh, and it's basically a tiered league. Uh, probably anyone listening to this episode probably knows, because otherwise it's a kind of an odd first episode of keeping Carlson to listen to. But anyways, you you know you start at the bottom tier when you sign up for your first year and you slowly climb up the ranks. If you win or do well, you'll climb a little bit faster. But even people who don't win end up climbing up to you know tiers four or five, whatever, over the years. Uh, anyways, due to attrition. Anyways, you climb your way up and eventually you get to a point where you could potentially be uh, up in tier one competing for the couple ultimate champion. It's a league we've been doing every year. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and normally... We open up registration in September, and this year we've decided to do things a little bit differently. So, Brian, why don't you make the big announcement that I've sort of already spoiled? <laughs> yeah, we're opening up registration now. It's open to what? all patrons of Keeping Carlson. The announcement is on our Discord, and you can uh, click in there to go get on uh, like our, our registration form, which looks very similar to last year's, and get your name down now 
Early bird special. Early birds. There's really <laughs> nothing actually special about it, except you don't have to worry about it later. And if you know you're in, you're guaranteeing your spot and uh, continuing your quest for a cupful glory. Uh, so we definitely would love for you, if you're not a patron now, uh, like th- whether this is a reason or not, come join us. Uh, but if you are a patron, uh, make sure to check the announcement. Everyone will have been tagged in it. So you can just go ahead and pre-register because why wait till August? Let's get the ball rolling now. Yeah. And uh, obviously a, a couple things. Like, first of all, one nice thing about doing this early registration is then we'll be able to sort of like, like if you think you're going to be, if you're not sure, you can always register. We're going to be sending some messages out throughout the summer. Like, are you sure you're in? Like, the goal is we want like by the time that it's actually time to start setting up the leagues, I want to make sure that everyone is like active and responding to our messages and like ready to go and not going to like totally ghost us. So now we can get people in early. We can like send some messages out and confirm people are still in, that they're getting the messages, they're getting the notifications, whatever they need to do. Uh, uh, one thing to note is that right now we have our summer promotion going. So you could be a patron for just a buck for any amount, you know, and get all of the perks that we give. Uh, once the actual season gets going, we'll go back to our regular perks, which is like $5 US to be a patron. So that's what you'll need to do to be a patron. But you could come now, pre-register for the couple. Then, uh, you know, everyone who registers also, we might start sending out some emails with some announcements. I don't know exactly what we're going to do, but we're, we're getting the ball rolling. Right? We might have some rule changes coming up. You know, it's going to be a big, exciting summer to make sure to make any tweaks we need to do to make our league, like, you know, the best possible league. And I, I, we sent back, uh, by the way, we like sent out all these uh, feedback forms, right? Like we made a survey and a bunch of people filled those out. Brian, we're definitely going to talk about that on our next patron cast and go over some of our lessons learned from the feedback we've gotten from people. So yeah, big stuff for the couple. Come register now so we can get a sense of if you're in or not. And also, you know, if you played last year, then we could start planning out like what division you're going to be in. Like, you know, it'll be nice to know like promotion and relegation. We won't know officially until, you know, the deadline passes. We know exactly who's signed up, but might as well get going. So that's that. That's the first announce. Brian, anything else you want to say about the couple before we go and talk about uh, our playoff pool? No, you should join. If you're thinking about it and you never have before, uh, now's a great time to get in. It's our eighth season that we're going into, and we have an out-of-date website that will at some point be updated. But if you just want to get a sense of what the whole league is about, uh, you can head to kkupfl.com, where at some point we'll also have a a link to pre-registration or an email like sign-up thing where we'll let you know when we've uh, really blown the doors open for, for registration to happen. But Get in now so you don't forget later. And uh, we're really excited to just get the ball rolling. Like Elon, you mentioned how uh, it's going to help us be better commissioners. And why is that good for anybody who wants to register? That's good because like we're super active and like we care a lot about the league and we want everyone engaged. Like we aim to have 100% active managers through the league. Last year we had over 450 managers and our goal was every single one of them is managing their teams. There's no inactives. Nobody's uh, bailing or screwing up their lineups on a regular basis, changing the whole competitive advantage. So this helps us do that which is good for everybody in the league. So we hope you'll join us and help us. Uh, we want to have over 500 managers this year. So this is uh, this is one step on the way to doing that. And uh, Elon, I'm done. Okay, yeah, Matt here in the chat is saying he was hoping it would be a Fantrax announcement. Oh, so it's still on the table. So we got all your feedback. We also did a whole side, like a couple has been on Yahoo for the last few years. Uh, we did a whole side like test league on Fantrax just to get some feedback on that. So we're going to get into that. Okay, that's actually the patron cast next week for patrons. We're going to talk about that. We're, we're going to be having a big couple. It's going to be like, tons of good couple. Con- we're going to do our rule change bracket. We're going to look at the exit survey feedback. We're going to talk about the changes. Like that's all to come. 
But for yeah. now, there, there's a couple more pressing items. Yeah. By the way, uh, one thing I'll just throw out there, because I know it's like everyone's saying that we need to like fix goalies. I, this is my opinion, but I'm going to read. I haven't read all the exit surveys yet, but I think goalies were actually fine. And I have arguments to suggest that people think they were overpowered, but I don't, I don't think that was the case. But anyways, uh, one of the fun conversations we'll be having over the summer, and obviously you could tell, like we're thinking about it all the time. Like we have a group chat with Kevin, who's like a couple uh, coordinator, and then Brian and myself, and we're just like discussing all the time, like potential rule changes we can or should make. And, you know, but it's all, it's like the, Actually, oh man, I was about to say it's like the Supreme Court and that like, you know, we're reticent to make like big changes. But of course, I guess, you know, the news recently is... Anyway, I don't want to get into that, but I'll just say that, you know, obviously we don't want to make any huge changes, but we do like to make little tweaks year in, year out, uh, you know, keep things fresh. But okay, Brian, so let's talk about the playoffs now, okay? We're uh, four games in for some series, three games in for another. Uh, The Leafs just scored a goal (laughs) finally in this game against Tampa. Obviously, this is going to be going to uh, two games to two. Guess who scored the goal? His first point of the play playoffs William Nylander who is someone who I drafted pretty high in our keeping Carlson playoff pool and he was a huge disappointment for me but hey I'll take the uh, point today and maybe he can even get me another uh, another garbage time goal here I wouldn't mind or, or Kucherov could do something for me how are you doing by the, by the way Brian in the keeping Carlson playoff pool like I'm right now like right on the cusp like I'm sort of in the race I don't love my chances I might like sneak into fifth place if I get really lucky but definitely hasn't gone the way I expected we fun to talk through some of the top scores in the playoffs so far that I should have taken and didn't. I'm curious to know how things are going on your side. I'm doing okay. There's a gap between the top four and the field in my division, and uh, I am in the top four at the moment. So I'm feeling pretty good about my chances. But yeah, I'm not going to uh, not, not going to count any of my uh, chicks before they hatch here. Like David Perron was obviously like my night one MVP. That was a crazy hat trick. And, you know, when I picked David Prawn in the pool, I had all the blues at my disposal and was trying desperately. And I feel like this is going to be a problem in September to tell one apart from the other. It's like, okay, do I go Perron? Do I go Cairo? Do I go Shen? Uh, like there's uh, Robert Thomas. Like there's so many equivalent options. And uh, I, I don't think it was smart of me to action. Like I, I don't think I deserved that extra boost because I picked David Perron over the other guys. I think I just got really lucky. Yeah, he also had three points today. So big first game, big game today with the Blues. They had a couple of garbage. This is the thing with these playoff pools, right? Like you're just kind of getting lucky. Like it was three to two. Then with like two minutes left, Perron scored a goal into the empty net. The Ryan O'Reilly scored a power play goal with Perron assisting. So like just two points right at the end of the game. Ryan O'Reilly, by the way, is someone who had this like totally boring season, like one of his worst regular seasons in a long time. He averaged like paced for only 61 points if he would have played all 82 games. We played 78 games, so 58 points in 78 games games you know a lot lower than his like almost 80 points the year before uh but so far in the playoffs looking a lot better right like he's had two points in that first game uh three points today overall he's sitting at six points in in the four games and it looks like this series now is two games to two so it's going to be a long series so yeah i guess uh, i mean ryan o'reilly was amazing in that cup run also oh the other big news in st louis man brian i could just talk to you all night so you'll have to you'll have to stop me but like how about uh jordan binnington getting the game today getting the win i'd imagine he'll play the next game now after Huso lost a couple uh you know I guess like obviously he has history being in the playoffs with St. Louis so I think uh, it's just an interesting turn of events and I feel a little bit bad for Billy Huso who's a UFA and you know I, I could see his the dollars like decreasing it's like the stock market recently like every day that Biddington plays that's going to be Huso just like potentially losing money that he would have gotten it's like well should we really spend so much money on a guy who couldn't even hold the job in the playoffs I don't know how GMs think but I'd imagine someone would think like this 
Oh, I think many things like that. That's how we see so many of the mistakes that we get to talk about on the show. But Huso had, you know, went from hero to goat really quickly, like totally stood on his head to steal game one with 37 save shutout against Minnesota, and then was not standing on his head at all. I didn't uh, five on 27 and then four on 38 for 32 shots in the next two games. So St. Louis goes back to Bennington, which we know Craig Berube like secretly really wants to go back to Bennington. Like he's just looking for excuses to go back to Bennington all the time. So Huso uh, gave him one. Honestly, I feel, I mean, Bennington's done well, so you, I can't second guess the decision. But uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't feel like there was enough there to to turn away from Huso. Like a lot of other goalies would have gotten more, more leash than that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess Bennington does have, you know, his career playoff record is pretty decent he won the stanley cup you know coming out of nowhere the year he took the starters job um basically only because of injuries that gave him the opportunity so i can see why st louis wants to do this maybe Bruby Bruby feels like his job is on the line and bennington has been his live and die kind of guy until bennington really just could not give Bruby an excuse to continue trying him uh, so we'll we'll see what keeps happening i would love elon i just want some clarity between these two guys in the offseason. Like, whatever yeah. happens yeah. in this series, I want to know what what I can at least expect come training camp. Like, well, I don't UFA, want it to be again, like who's completely a, yeah. in the air. But Huso's a UFA, right? He might not even be with the team yeah. at this point. But yeah, obviously, if he gets signed, then I'd imagine it's going to be like a 50-50. But, so what are you more surprised about? That Bennington uh, got in the net for St. Louis? Or that, actually, this is pretty obvious, I guess. Or that Swayman has taken over the job in Boston. I know it's like you're more surprised about Bennington, right? Because you expected that Swayman was better, I believe, going into the series. But Omar, you know, led in four goals in each of the first two games in the series against Carolina. Canes uh, went up two games to nothing. Now Swayman's played the last two games. Now it's two games to two. So I think even more... More so than Bennington Swayman has like probably cemented it. Like this is gonna be a tough series the rest of the way. But I'd imagine that the Bruins have their future goalie now playing. Like I don't see a reason to switch back to Allmark. So I got, obviously anything could happen. But Jeremy Swayman now. Let's see if he can help them uh, pull off this upset coming back from being down to nothing, taking out the Canes. Yeah, both guys are going to be around for at least a little while, assuming Boston can't or doesn't unload Allmark. So like it's not totally, and their window is going to be shut by the time. Allmark's contract is over, right? Because Marchand will have moved on. Bergeron will have moved on. They'll still have Pasternak and Hall uh, and McAvoy. Like, they'll still have some pieces. But I don't think they'll be able to really push themselves to being, like, a, a top-flight contender, especially against a team like Carolina. But what a great way to try and get your goalie of the future some experience here and meaningful experience. They're not just tossing them in in a series they're going to lose. Hey, if Swayman can can pull them through this, then maybe he is the guy that they can count on over the next couple of years. And again, I, I've been skeptical on the show for a couple years now, like sounding the alarm that Boston's window to contend is not going to be open a whole lot longer, but they sure are giving Carolina a nice little run here on the back of Swayman. And yeah, I'm not surprised to see Swayman um, take the job. Remember my question when we had our episode about all the one question for, for every beat writer for 32 beats this season. Mine was, you called it boring, but mine was like, why is Linus, why is Allmark starting game one? You know, what's, what's going, to, what's the purpose there? What's the long-term plan <laughs> between these two goalies? And then like the next day I saw Fludo Shinzawa, who's been on the Beats series before tweeting, like it's Allmark. Obviously the, the starter is Allmark. It was never in question uh, for game one. 
And now here we are. So Bennington, I'm like truly surprised by. Swayman, I'm not. Right. Yeah. I, I was, I'm not surprised that you're saying that. And yeah, I guess Allmark was, you know, the starter to start the season. He's the one with the bigger contract they signed in the off season, or I guess they traded for, anyway, you know what I mean? Like, oh no, he, no, yeah, he was a UFA signing. So, uh, but yeah, I think at this point, forget about goalie of the future. I think Swayman is the goalie of the present. And I think Allmark will be a really good, if not slightly overpaid backup next year or you know it's boston right so they you know with halak and, and rask over the years it was, it's, not, it's not exactly starter backup it's like 1a 1b but yeah swayman clearly has got to be their starter if they want to have a chance at this playoffs i think by the way speaking of boston looking at the current standings in terms of total points you could have gotten in your keeping carlson playoff pool draft brad marchand leading in the way after his big game today he had five points today after getting four points in the first three games that brings him up to nine points in four games uh, he was obviously someone that was taken pretty high, but, you know, not the highest. And so far, he is uh, paying off for anyone who got him. And then, believe it or not, number two so far is Kale McCarr, a defenseman who is just like already, a, to me, it's like he's already having a legendary career. It seems like, like he's a point per game defenseman at the age of, what is he now, like 22? 20, he's 23 years old. And I feel like, I feel dumb for taking, like I took Kucherov second overall in my draft, which, you know, Kucherov hasn't been bad. He has a couple points today. But, you know, with the value over replacement for a defenseman, like Makar is challenging to potentially be the total points leader and he's taking up a D spot. So I feel like I should have just taken Makar. If, if I, the thing is also, I was worried about Colorado sweeping the series, which I think they will. But like like you brought up in that last podcast, it's like even in only four games, the Avs can score a lot of goals. There was that one game where they just couldn't get anything past Connor Ingram. But aside from that, they've got 14 goals in the other two games. We'll see if they can close it out tomorrow in Nashville. Kel McCarr making himself a legit, like I, I was actually thinking of whether he could be eventually a first overall fantasy pick. And I know that's going far, but if we knew that Kel McCarr was going to be a point per game player as a defenseman, this was the thought I was having, would that be enough for him to be the first overall pick in a fantasy draft? The answer is no, like he would have to be better than a point per game, but how good or how close is he to being there. In our playoff pools, he was picked as early as fourth overall. And on average, he was picked, uh, you know, somewhere between 10th and 11th. But certain, like you said, Elon, you took Kucherov, did you say second? Yeah, second overall. Yeah. David went first. Who, by the way, the, like the Edmonton's only played four ga- three games so far. Actually, we're recording this at, it's like 9.30 p.m. on Sunday, which is important to mention because Edmonton and L.A. haven't played their game today, right? So Makara has seven points in three games. Oh, that's also in three games. But uh, yeah, we'll see how the Oilers and do today. But McDavid has six points in three. He has two points every game. So if he keeps that up, he'll, he'll be catching up. And 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Right, if this was nine thirty p.m. Yeah, okay. Uh, the Eastern so, time, just like all the teams in the Eastern Conference. This was the thing I was talking about in the pre-show. I just did. Anybody, am I the only dummy that didn't realize this until just now? The Eastern Conference has all the teams who play in the Eastern time zone. I never, I never put that together. But there you go. That's why they call it the Eastern Conference, I guess. Land so, East. so what would it take for you to consider Kel McCarr a first overall fan? Mm. Like, is it possible? Because I mean, we're talking McDavid, we're talking Matthews. That seems a bridge too far. But could we? Could he eventually at least be lumped in with that top, that top four or five group that has, you know, you've got McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, Drysidel, Kucherov. Could Makar is Makar up there in a in a September regular season fantasy hockey draft? 
I mean, so there was a time, I'll answer your question. Like, I, obviously it's complicated, right? Like there was a time when we were looking at like a Brent Burns as one of the top players to draft because he was just like getting, you know, so many peripherals to go along with his point per game. Like so many, he was like shooting as much as a forward. And so, and because of the value over replacement for defensemen and like his huge contributions, he was like kind of worth it. Like I think we were at some point suggesting that maybe if you took Brent Burns number one, it wouldn't be like the worst decision you could make that was kind of like before Connor mcdavid broke out in the way he has and now like austin matthews like i just feel like if you're talking about in that group i could see it but it's just like like makar is probably what does he top out at like 100 points probably right which would be insane and amazing uh like that's even like above what he's done but even if he gets 100 points is that worth it if mcdavid gets 130 because also i don't know if the value of a replacement is as high as it used to be like you know roman yosey just had an insane season like headman like i feel like we also had like the number of 100 point scores double this season compared to last year so like for forwards it's also the value i thought that's where you were actually going with it saying maybe mcdavid's value over replacement isn't as high as it once was well, here, let me give it th- put it to you this way. Okay, let's look at this past season in the Cupful, looking at the average fantasy points per game. And we're like 4.5 for a goal, 3 for an assist. And then you get like 0.5 for a shot. And then some other stuff, you know, hits and blocks and whatever. I guess for defensemen, sometimes blocks are more interesting and, and worthwhile if you get it. And Makar's not like nothing for blocks, right? He's had some like one and two block games. Like he usually gets at least one or two. And then every once in a while, he'll get like four. But, you know, he's not like one of the top blockers. But anyways, Makar averaged 6.45 points per game which is like really high. This is like top 15, I think. Top 10, top 15. Uh, but, you know, you look at Matthews was 8.62. So I don't know if the value of replacement is there. Like, like I think, you know, like even like the way Matthews and then McDavid was second was 7.82 and then McKinnon 7.65. So it is kind of a jump. But I, I think it's a really good question. I think it's a good point. But by the way, Roman Yosi was 6.83. He was actually higher than Kale McCarr this year. So uh, it is kind of unfair that we uh, talk so much about McCarr, not as much about Roman Yosi, who had just as good of a season. But obviously now McCarr is going to be the talk over the next couple of months because he's going to be just dominating these playoffs while Yosi hey, is going to be gone in the game. Just for the record, I think we did a pretty good job. No, we record, do. Like, yeah. like of talking about Roman Yosi. No, I like it really you never asked out. me. You never asked me, like, is Roman Yosi worth being dra- going to be drafted in the top five? Well, right, because like, I I don't think we're expecting his upside to be much further beyond. Like, yeah, Kelmacar yeah. seems like someone who's still building. Like, he's still young. There could be more. Roman Yosi, it's like, he's amazing, and we've loved him for a while. Of course, we didn't see this season coming from him, but we did call it out through the year when we saw it, which I don't think a lot of people did until the playoffs came. And they're like, okay, what can we say about Nashville in this Nashville, Colorado storyline? I need to say something about a predator. Uh, but I, I feel like we're not going to see any any brand new tricks from Romagnosi where we could from a car. Yeah, for sure. No, I'd imagine Yossi's hit his ceiling at this point, which is a very nice, you know, uh, all-star ceiling for sure. Another goal for William Nylander. How about that? Thank you very much. Six to three, though, for the Lightning. So too bad for Leafs fans. Still still a good shot to win this series. Uh, I guess another couple noteworthy names I'll just throw at you. Then we can go to the, the final portion of this bonus episode. Uh, Evander Kane having an amazing playoffs. I'm curious to know if he's someone, you know, we've talked about like how good he was in Edmonton. He now had a hat trick in the last game and again this is we're recording this right before an uh, Oilers game is going to start so who knows if he's going to have another big game or not but he had a hat trick in the last game in the 8-2 win he also had two goals and assists in the 6-0 win uh you know we've talked about some new players who have joined that like 
first round or two in fantasy. Uh, I just wonder, like, Evander Kane is a free agent at the end of this year, though I, it's just, like, we'll see. If Edmonton wins a series, you know, and things go well, just seems like a good fit. I'm sure he likes playing with Connor McDavid. I, I'd imagine he's not having any complaints. So if they could make the the money work, I guess, I guess the Oilers are kind of strapped, so maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. But let's just say if Evander Kane stayed on the Oilers, I wonder if he's in that same conversation as, like, a, you know, Kyle Connor, like, uh, Gensel. Like, I feel like we don't, at least in my head, correct me if I'm wrong, for you, like, for me, I don't think of Evander Kane, like, in that upper echelon but I'm starting to wonder if I should because he's just been so good and especially like in terms of fantasy you know with all the shots on goal which you know I love he had nine shots in that last game he has five three and nine shots in the first three games Evander Kane really like coming out over these past couple of months and now these playoffs is being like a real fantasy superstar and he was in, in San Jose, but like even more so. Well, that's what I was going to say. He was huge in San Jose. And after a couple of years where he wasn't, where he was seemed to be settling around like 60 points, he had a massive season last year in 2021 with San Jose. And a lot of it looked sustainable and for real. And actually, one incredible thing is that he paced for 72 points. It was over 56 games. This was the season that was... uh was it shortened due to... I've like lost track of which seasons were shortened due to COVID. The last two before the last this two. one. Yeah. And this one wasn't shortened. This was just like heavily affected yeah, at times. Exactly. Okay. So in one of the COVID shortened seasons, um, Kane, the, the most recent one, Kane was on 72 point pace, even though he's pacing for like fewer than 15 power play points, which is crazy. Like that's, that's, we saw Timo Meyer do that in San Jose and we're all about him. And he also had great shot rates too, like Evander Kane did, uh, but he didn't throw quite as many hits as Evander Kane does. There's a, a lot of reasons to be excited about Evander Kane's fantasy value for next season. Again, it's a big question. What happens to him in the off season and how much, uh, yeah, how, mu- how much of a, there's a lot of questions, right, about Evander Kane and all the off-ice situations, which I'm not going to – we've talked about on the show before, so I'm not going to list them all, um, but some are particularly troublesome. But we'll see if Edmonton or any team is ready to commit in any sizable way to him. I mean, clearly he's showing that he can play in the top six, and I don't think this is all just, like, because he's playing with McDavid. Uh, I think he's, like, a legitimately good hockey player whose ceiling is – Hi, like it could, it's a 70 point player who takes a ton of shots and gets a ton of hits, and there's huge value to be found there. But there's so much unknown until he lands with that new team. Like, the best thing for his fantasy value would be if he does resign with Edmonton, right? Because we talk about making sure to penalize a player a little bit on your draft board if they are moving to a new place, especially if you're a Vander Kane and carrying all the baggage he's bringing with him. Uh, but you know, because you're not just not sure how it's going to work out. But if we've seen Kane play with McDavid and he stays in Edmonton, well, then we could probably have a pretty realistic view of how to assess his value going into next year's draft, which would be huge. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting. Like he's a UFA. There's a lot of big names out there, right? Like Johnny Gaudreau is probably the top name UFA that's going to be signed in the offseason and he'll probably get more than Evander Kane even just because of you know the off-ice stuff maybe people will be reticent to give Kane this like big huge contract but uh, so far Brian I hate to say it and it's just three games and it's nothing right but Dallas is beating Calgary two to one uh, two games to one I have to Foley and Rasmus Anderson in the KKPP and it's uh, yeah not going well zero points from both of them 
And then Goudreau, he's not at zero, but he only has two assists in three games. We brought up in the playoff preview that we did that Goudreau sort of like has never really had a huge playoffs. To, and, you know, he's playing for big money, you know, like he's playing for his next contract right now. And I, I don't know, like at this point, uh, I, if NHL GMs are watching the playoffs, I wonder if they're thinking like, oh. Why spend the big money on Goudreau? We should go after Evander Kane, who's also a left wing. But anyways, I don't know. Like, I'm just throwing that out there. It's a completely different situation. But I'm definitely happy that I didn't draft uh, Goudreau in the playoff pool. The Flames are... I mean, we'll see. It's only three games in, and like they could score like five goals in the next game. But Dallas... Uh, you know, I, I saw something on Twitter, uh, probably someone really great that I should be crediting tweeted this. But like, apparently Calgary hasn't scored a goal while Miro Haskinen has been on the ice so far. So clearly, uh, yeah, Haskinen's doing really well shutting down these Flames. Yeah. Well, Haskinen, this is a chance to celebrate him, right? When we don't have to be worried about his fantasy value. He he looks great. Uh, and the stars have looked great. You mentioned Johnny Gaudreau has only two points. He still leads Calgary in points scored because um, Calgary has scored just three goals all series so far, which is pretty amazing considering uh, they had a plus 85 goal differential and ranked sixth in the NHL in goals for through 82 games of play. And Dallas seems to have their number early on. So we'll see how this continues. Meanwhile, Dallas, like I was watching the game and Joe Pavelski, you know, showing up last night. It was Saturday night. It's like, wow, like how, how does he keep doing this? Although Dallas, uh, Dallas, you know, also hasn't scored a, a ton of goals either. This has been a pretty low scoring series through three games. There's only been, what is it? I think nine goals total. So if you had, if you picked anybody from this series, uh, even if it goes the distance, you're hoping that some more goal scoring shows up because you're not getting a whole lot of points. You've got Yanni Hackenpah uh, tied for second with Haskinen for with two points in three games behind Pavelski's three goals hmm. for Dallas Stars production. Uh, and uh, yeah, probably, I mean, it's not like we count on really anybody for production except uh, Rupe Hintz, who has one goal, and Jason Robertson, who has one assist. But again, like Calgary, they're just playing very stingy. And I have to say, watching these games has not been like the most entertaining series, but it's a, it's a, you know, defensive hockey is alive and well. It's not a terrible thing. All right. So, Brian, let's uh, do the final thing we had planned for this bonus episode, which was uh, you've listened to the first two beat writer interviews we did with uh, Murata Tesh and Brian Hedger about the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> I guess I just flipped the order there, but people know what I'm talking about here. Uh, so why don't you just uh, give us some of your thoughts? You know, like the whole point of these interviews is to get fantasy takeaways for next well first of all to be entertained right but also to like learn some things and get some ideas of how we want to adjust our expectations for next year any uh any interesting takeaways you have from these two interviews you listen to well i liked that uh you know i guess i'll start with columbus because that's the first one i heard and uh you know I heard Brian Hedger talking about Zach Wierenski and asking the question or sort of putting it out there. Is this guy elite? And we've talked about the ways in which Zach Wierenski might be uh, like amongst the best in the NHL or emerged this year. And one of those was as a, as a shot taking potentially goal scoring defenseman. Wierenski averaged over three shots per game and it wasn't a fluke, right? Like he was just given the green light on the power play, especially to just go nuts. And he showed this power play upside this year. That was um, new to us. Like we knew that Zach Wierenski could produce on the power play, but I don't think we'd ever seen him 
be as aggressive as he had been until this year. So it was great to have Brian Hedger sort of confirm that, yeah, like that is Zach Wierenski. He's grown into this role. He's the go-to guy now. He's kind of like the elder statesman of the team, even though he's uh, turning 25 in July. He is the guy on the blue line. Um, so I, I liked that. And then I found the whole, um, like the conversation about centerman was obviously really interesting. It's a conversation we've been trying to like discern through the season, but specifically, and Elon, I'm wondering if what your takeaway from this was, but, you know, Boone Jenner sounds like, you know, he's locked in in the top six somewhere. Um, <laughs> and then Jack Roslovic, because you talked about Roslovic first and mentioned how, uh, like I heard Brian say, well, maybe he could be the first line center going forward, but like not in the long term, just in the short term until Columbus develops or drafts somebody to really take that role. But then later on in the interview, you're talking about Cole Sillinger, and I was hearing him, his name being thrown around as a top line center too. And I was wondering if you came away with any more clarity among like about who has the upper hand. Like I think Jenner Line Voracek seemed to be working out pretty well, and, and Brian seemed to be saying the same thing. But between Rosovic and Sillinger, I'm still not sure who the other top six centerman is. Well, apparently he was saying how Sillinger, right, is going to like have an off season where he's going to try to put on some more weight and like, you know, try to develop into a uh, stronger player. So maybe that will help answer. Like we'll ha- kind of have to see who Cole Sillinger is when, when he comes into camp next season. But yeah, I think the, the takeaway I had is like the, they're all three of them are solid, but none of them are like a, a legit top line center if you want to be like a great team. Right. So it's kind of like what we've talked about with Detroit over the years, but even like Larkin is like a bigger star than any of these guys. So I feel like, Boone Jenner like sort of has the job because someone had to do it and he had you know he was saying like all the things that Jenner brings are great at face-offs apparently the other two aren't that great at face-offs so far uh but yeah in terms of like I think long term I'd expect Cole Sillinger like he has the bigger pedigree I'd expect him to at some point overtake Roslovic but also they could always like play Sillinger on the wing like they did this year so I think we don't really have clarity on that right now yeah and the reason I'm looking for it and I loved what Hedger also had to say like I hope I'm not spoiling for anyone like if you haven't listened to the interview. This is not the way to listen to it. Like go and go and get it yeah. all firsthand. Pause pause the pod now. <laughs> go listen to that and then come come back for And the then takeaways. come back cuz like you're getting some of our key takeaways but Oh, and don't is- don't be like, "Oh, now I don't have to listen to the interview since yeah, I could just listen to the takeaway because you're costing us uh, our well-earned downloads, right? <laughs> Not nice. That's what's most important. No, I, what's really important is you get the full context and feel of the conversation. And also that if you liked it, you tweet Brian or Marat or anybody, Elon, and I think Ben soon will be talking to and let them know how great it was of an interview. Oh, yeah. Um, we'd appreciate that. Yeah. Um but I just like turn into such a suck up on in the summers. I'm I just like it. sucking up to these people all the time. Well, it's because it's it's a really it's a big flip. You never suck up to me at all on the show. You do because I, I can just be like I can just be like Brian Lion to Lamb. Eight o'clock, be here. The other ones have to be like, oh, I love your work. If you could just come <laughs> grace me with your presence. All right. So, what do you think about uh, okay. from the Winnipeg interview? What, what takeaways oh, do you have from there? So, oh, you I, have more from Columbus. Okay, well, please. no, just hanging on to Columbus. The reason I'm trying to figure out the second line center thing, and I loved how far along Hedger was saying Sillinger was looking and like that he could be poised, like he's showing a lot of poise for early in his career. Um, but he called Oliver Bjorkstrand the odd man out during the interview 
because he wasn't on this top unit and like didn't have a consistent sentiment, which you talked a lot about. He didn't have Boone Jenner, which we talked a lot about. So I was glad to hear that we were sort of on the right track for trying to figure out what's up with Bjorkstrand. And so Hedger was sort of predicting that next year Bjorkstrand could find himself with Sillinger, which would be interesting because Sillinger's shot is like his big asset. Um, Bjorkstrand's shot is his big ac- asset, but also Sillinger has a, like a pretty responsible game about him too, which would help. Like, basically, I just want to know what everything meant for Bjorkstrand. And by the way, Elon, this is just a a note for like other, like we had our whole episode where we asked like what we want to ask the beat writers. I really wanted to know about the shot counts, like and why Bjorkstrand's shot counts like fluctuated so wildly through Ah, the season. Right. And so, uh, Anyway, we did talk. We did talk about Bjorkstrand, but I guess yeah, we didn't bring up the the shots. I wanted yeah, to know that piece specifically. I'll share my I'll share my notes next time with you before the interview, so you can make sure I'm covering everything because well, I didn't you have memorize the one question from the episode well, I, we did. I, yeah, I didn't memorize them all. Well, like, we have uh, show notes from that episode. That's true. Yeah. Well, okay. So we'll, okay. we'll we'll get together somehow and figure this. So out. anyway, great job, uh, Mers Lickens. Also, I mean, again, I, I don't mean to spoil the whole interview, but I loved it. There was some really good stuff on him, and also what he was dealing with, and what we can expect next year. I remember at the start of the season, you know, um, Mers Lickens was saying how motivated he was to have a great season because of the personal tragedy of his friend dying in the off season, his friend and goaltending partner. Um, and I was like, yeah, you know, I kind of believe it. And then you saw, obviously, like, that is what a, I mean, Mirz Likens is 28. So he's not, he's not young. He was 27 when the season started, but that is what someone would say. Like, I'm going to go in and like win it for Matisse and then struggle with the reality of like grief and trauma. Uh, so I, you know, I heard what Hedger said about his last, what was it? His last six weeks of the season or some, you know, or thereabouts and how he seemed to be picking up his game. And I, I went and checked the numbers and it was true. So it's nice to have finished. And so I was really high on Rose Lickens going into this past season. And I'm not going to downgrade it all based on the, the, the difficult yeah, season he had. I like, I'm, I'm all in on Rose Lickens again. Like I thought he was a great pick in fantasy drafts this past year. And it didn't turn out to be the case, but I'm just going to hitch my wagon again. Yeah, and plus maybe Columbus will just be a better team, uh, you know, with all these. But like if Cole Sillinger is a better player and, you know, like that obviously helps the team. If Kent Johnson comes in and is able to make a significant impact. So, yeah. Top pair see. Blankenberg. Yeah. Oh, I loved hearing that. I'm sure Norm also enjoyed hearing that uh, as a relative of Blankenberg. Uh, okay, so Brian, anything else from Columbus you wanted to touch on or you want to switch over to Marat and the Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, no, let's talk about the the Jets interview with Marat, which I don't think we've had a chance to talk about on the show that like sort of quote unquote bombshell from Mark Scheifele, which wasn't really a bombshell, but everyone really reacted to him saying, you know, I guess we'll, you know, I'm going to have to take a look and see if this team fits my desired career trajectory like Shifley has been doing his thing there a while and honestly I wish more NHLers would have spoken up the way like would speak up the way he did and say like hey I'm not getting any younger I'm 29 years old I've been doing my job being you know the face of the franchise and like the most reliable scorer in the franchise for like uh I don't know the better part of six the last six seven years like since he was 22 and he doesn't want to grow old with an organization that's about to go into a rebuild or is aimless. So, hey, 
by all means. Like, I, I think that stuff should happen more often. So way to speak your mind, Mark Shifley. And uh, I mean, uh, there could be more context there, but we'll see uh, what this actually means for the Jets offseason. You know, I, I would think, I would hope that the knee jerk isn't that they make like this half-hearted attempt to load up when they might want to start heading into a rebuild just to keep Shifley happy. It's a tricky situation and one yeah. we'll keep an eye on to know how it affects the the whole picture in the offseason. Yeah, though, I mean, to be fair, like, I still think Winnipeg, look, my takeaway from the interview was like there were a lot of players who kind of had down years that maybe they can turn things around a little bit. And like, I, I don't know if like this was a season of like indicating that the Jets need to go to a rebuild. So hopefully, like for the Jets' sake, if you're a Jets fan, hopefully Shifley will give them at least give them one more year to see if they can get back to being the playoff team that they were for so many years beforehand. Uh, but obviously, yeah, if the Jets could do something in the offseason to make them happy. But I don't know, like why go into a rebuild? Just said you have like Ehlers, you have Kyle Connor, like you have a like, young superstar, but you have Shifley if he stays. Like, you know, this is like they've got a great court. They've got Hellebuck, one of the top goalies, like theoretically, or like <laughs> as he's shown at, at, at times. So, you know, like I just feel like this is a team that could be good. And I feel like it would be a bit premature for Shifley. Like, you know, good on him if he could go to like whatever, Colorado, Florida. Like if he can work himself into a trade to go to a, like a clear contender, then sure. But like also, by the way, I just said Florida. We didn't mention how Washington's beating Florida two games to one right now. Washington Crazy. really, uh, ma- uh, you know, made them eat dirt in the last game. But anyway, in the first game too, like very yeah. decisive victories. So uh, and still, Bobrovsky is going to be the goalie. I, w- I feel like Spencer Knight should get a shot, but that's a whole other conversation that we should have had earlier, but we didn't. And now we got to keep moving forward. But yeah, I, I, my takeaway from the interview was like I'm interested to see what the Jets can do next year. I feel like they can still be good. It would be nice if they could have one of these like prospects that they've been excited about actually come through. Like it seems like all of their prospects have been duds lately. So we'll see if like that can change. But even just their their course seems like pretty good. But yeah, was there any other player that stood out for you from the conversation that you're interested in what we said about them? Well, the one guy we. We always wanted to know about was Neil Pionk through the season. And I, you know, I was so I was interested to hear. And also Morrissey is really connected. And Murat, whose article on Josh Morrissey and his dad and the relationship there, I I saw when it came out. And uh like clearly, as Murat attested to, there was impact on Josh Morrissey, and he wasn't able, you know, we were from our perspective, Josh Morrissey was a guy with upside and potential who just couldn't hit the next gear, like who couldn't follow that expected trajectory when in reality he was struggling with a lot of stuff personally and it didn't have much to do with his physical ability or true upside. It was just needing to be patient as he worked through some stuff. And then when he finally figured it out, that of course uh, impacts Neil Pionk, who it's official. You know, I heard it from Marat and I needed to do that Pionk's status as, as the power play one quarterback is like officially in doubt, you know, the question was long gone. Okay. I know Mm -hmm. I will. So as a Pionk haver in a redraft, so it doesn't even matter, but you know, I was always sort of like, okay, maybe Morrissey will fall off and Pionk will step back up. But Morant was like, no, Morrissey's not going to fall off. And Pionk, you know, is going to recover to some extent, but he might not regain that top power play role, especially if Morrissey continues to grab it. Also, um, the other, t- I feel like the, 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 the biggest takeaways for me were about that top power play and uh, about the whole Ehlers business. And, you know, for the fourth consecutive season, we're like, well, Ehlers is actually a really great player. He might even be the best player on the team. He just doesn't get the deployment. But I just towards, I think, the end of the interview when you were talking about Blake Wheeler, uh, and Murat sort of 
like I, it might have been like just kind of a tossed off comment, but it caught my ear, which was that Wheeler can only keep being like really relevant or productive if he does hold on to that top power play spot, which is not a guarantee. And to me, that's that's the cue for Ehlers to finally step up onto that top unit. So those are the two, like I, I, I would love to see these two long awaited changes to happen on the top unit. You know, I feel uh, it's unfortunate for Pionk who saw is, is going to have a decent floor, but the ceiling goes down for sure. But I just want to know, like, is it going to be Morrissey and Ehlers? on the top unit replacing Pionk and Wheeler. That's That was one of my key takeaways. Yeah, well, there was that really big bombshell also that apparently Murat doesn't believe that Ehlers doesn't want to be on the top power play. And we were like talking about how we were not sure where even that came from. Uh, we had a, a patron, Matt, who's here in the chat, like uh, brought up how like it was apparently a quote from Coach Paul Maurice, who's like no longer the coach, saying that Ehlers liked being on the second power play. So we've tweeted that to Murat, so we'll see what he responds to that. But uh yeah, like it does seem like Ehlers would do better there, but uh, we I guess we need to find out a if he wants to be there. Well, it shouldn't matter anyways. We have a new coach, like just put him there. But yeah, he's gonna have to bump someone, and it doesn't sound like he's gonna be bumping Shifley, Connor. Well, not Shifley gets traded, but like you know Shifley, Connor, PLD, and Morrissey are there, and then I guess Wheeler seems to be entrenched there. So it's like it's not as if there's an easy spot for Ehlers to take, but it would be interesting to see him get a shot there. But that would potentially kill Wheeler's fantasy value. But Wheeler had a really good end of the year; like it was over a point per game after that slow start. So, you know, it's, he's the kind of guy who Murad also said, like, you don't want to like totally write him off, even though his like skill has gone down a little bit. And like, he's good on the power play, right? It's not as if it's just like, he's lucky to be there. Like, obviously, he's producing there for a reason, right? So, or at least a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. Yeah, I felt a little validated when you mentioned, you know, you mentioned to Murat that I had sort of projected Wheeler for a downswing. And Murat was like, yeah, and he probably did a little better than he should have. And he might not hold on to that top power play spot. So, I feel comfortable saying I think Wheeler still he did better than I thought he might, but I think he also overproduced to some extent. Um, even if you regress all the all the extra points that Wheeler might have gotten that I wouldn't have expected, I think he probably still would have done better than I would have said he was going to do going into the season. But I think we're still at least on the right track here in thinking not to expect the world of Blake Wheeler anymore. Right, and of course, my final big takeaway is. I hope that Murat is like not not wrong, but I hope that he's not high enough on Dmitry Rushevsky because he's someone I have in my dynasty league, and I hope that he uh, like sees what he does and then is like uber impressed. So obviously what, we'll find out soon. I mean, what do you think of the like Eric Comrie, whether he's back or not, because of the the minutes played situation, maybe might have been mismanaged by the Jets front office to keep him around. But let's say that Eric Comrie sticks around. Do you think because Murat was talking so positively about him? Do you think that impacts Hellebuck's workload at all next year? It should. I think it should. Like Hellebuck has been worse and worse every year since he won the Vesna. He's probably at least slightly affected by the fact that he plays so much. If Comrie's good and they could get him for cheap, why not like actually make use of him and not like I'm not saying make it 50-50 or not even make it like, you know, 60-40, but at least like 70-30. I don't think it's like too much to ask. Like why does Hellebuck need to play like 65 to 70 games a season? It doesn't seem necessary, especially since he's been Agree. struggling. Yeah. Agree. So you would think, but uh, 
I mean, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly. sure Comrie is going to be in his contract because Comrie is going to get some suitors, right? He had a strongish season. So I feel like if he wants, if the Jets want him to come back, I feel like he, it's reasonable for him to be like, well, can you give me some assurances that I'll freaking play once in a while? Like that would make me more interested because I'm trying, maybe I'll sign a one year contract so I can try to prove that this past season wasn't a fluke, but I need to actually get a chance to show what I can do. Otherwise, like I'm just going to end up having to take another one year contract. Anyway, yeah, that, that was a fun convo for sure. So hopefully everyone enjoyed this fun convo. Brian, a little bonus keeping Carlson content. Uh, we're going to be back with more interviews coming up next week. We've already got one book. Ben's going to be talking about the Islanders with Kevin Kurz. That's, that's scheduled on the book. So hopefully that will go down smoothly and you'll be getting that pretty soon. And then we've got some others we're still working on scheduling because uh, that's what we do here in the off season is we like just email back and forth with people and try to bring you these interviews. So uh, make sure you're subscribed to Keeping Carlson. Make sure you become a patron if you want to pre-register for the couple. And if you are a patron, go and get your name on the list. Good luck to everyone in the second half, I guess, of the first round of the Keeping Carlson playoff pool. The top five in each division are going to make it to round two. We'll be reaching out to you probably later next week to start, you know, getting the plans out there for the second round drafts. Uh, But with that, Brian, okay, I'm done. Let's cue the outro music. Do we have credits? Do you do credits for a bonus episode? Give us like an abridged bonus episode version of the credits and then we'll sign off here. I mean, I definitely used NHL.com and Hockey Reference and Natural Statric and Evolving Hockey over the course of recording this show live with you. Okay, well then, this was a blast and thanks to them. Thanks, of course, to our patrons and, and the super supporters. Brian, why don't you just name the super supporters and then we'll be on our way. Right, the super supporters helped bring this episode of Keeping Carlson to you all. So please join me in thanking Tyler, Flash, Andrea, Tom, Derek, David, Rob, and of course, Patty, who's a great Twitter follow, by the way. I've been enjoying following Patty through the playoffs at MarineMom34, I think is her tag. Uh, So uh, also thanks to Dabra Hockey for presenting us. Um, You can follow, still have uh, all our game day tweets rolling. Uh, GameDayTweets.com for all the Twitter handles there. Uh, logo or art by BrandonWeave.com. Outro music by Pat Roach. Thanks so much for listening. And Elon, thanks so much for doing these 32 beats. I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, well, soon you'll be thanking Ben as well because he's going to be jumping behind the mic. Uh, but Brian, until we chat again, what should we be asking our listeners to do as they're enjoying the rest of the first round of the playoffs? Well, we should be and are asking our listeners to do what you can to make sure that fantasy hockey is for everyone. <laughs>